Lord God in heaven, we thank you that we can sing words that resonate so true that praise the Lord, we are free, that you have rescued us. And what a great reminder that we are always in great need to be rescued. Uh, May we not forget that. May we hold tight to the truth that you are our hope, our only chance, Lord, in this life to to have uh, um, peace and eternity in view. Bless our time this evening in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So we will be um, in Matthew 7, um, but I want to just take a moment and just kind of glance back for a moment and look at how Jesus has been spending a good amount of time explaining the characteristics of the Christian and the Christian life. So just if we were to read Matthew 5, 2 through 12 again, Um, We have this whole idea of, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is his introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, kind of saying, hey, blessed are you when this. And it's, it's contrary to what they had been taught. It's contrary to, to the Jewish culture of I need to be rich so that God's favor is upon me. Um, he continues and again explains, if we were to just uh, review that Christians, um, that they are salt and light in the world. The issue with mankind then is an issue more of the heart. Outward actions do not save, but the heart of a, of, of a person is what God sees and actually what God deals with. Um, he also says simple things like, do not, commer- murder, do not commit murder in your heart. Again, it was all this outward, you know, you can have bitterness in your heart and think evil of other people, but if you did everything right outside, out- outwardly, no one cared, so to say, but G- Jesus is like, no, it goes deeper than your outward appearance. And I think that, again, just as, a, as another highlight, we run the danger as Christians to make it more about what we do outwardly than a response from an inward uh, change that Christ is doing in us. And so, um, again, we should do stuff. He's prepared stuff in advance that we should walk in them. But we don't do it so that we can look like a Christian. We do it because we are a new creation in Christ. Uh, so don't commit murder in your heart. Do not lust. Do not pray fast or give, give to be esteemed by others. So don't do it for other people to see. Pray to your Father in heaven. Jesus explained God's heart on marriage, oaths, and retaliation. Because we're getting to the end of his Sermon on the Mount here. So we're just going to kind of you know, review really quick. He explained that we are to love our enemies, that we are to give to the poor, trust God for everything, and not to be anxious. This is a loaded sermon. If you were just to pause and read it, it would take about 10 minutes. And yet, there has been countless of hours of sermons made off of these different things. He just, he's, he's like loaded for bear. He's just giving it all. Um, cause really, if you just, if you follow this, you understand what it means and what the heart of God is for a Christian. He told the crowds to store their treasures in heaven and not to focus on the fleeting and the passing pleasures of this life. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own, so do not worry about tomorrow. Sometimes each day has more trouble, I think, than it needs to have. Um, just go to bed, because tomorrow is, gonna, is coming soon. Then he encouraged us not to play God and be judgmental about others. And then he moved to relationship that we have with God and how that impacts our relationship with, other, with others. So we ask, we seek, we knock. He's inviting us into his presence. He's given us his word so we can seek. He's given us the uh, adoption as children so that we can ask. And we know that our perfect Father in heaven who gives us what we need so that we might do unto others as we would have done unto us. Again, contrary to, to most man-made religions, it's not a don't, it's a go do. Um, which is, is, is a big thing because, again, man-made religions are don't do this and don't do that. So the reality is if you just don't do anything, you're doing well. And that's uh, contrary to, to God's uh, kingdom. So now we're going to dive into how Jesus is clarifying that simply doing certain things does not earn salvation. Um, so let's look at seven Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. Let's read those. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So here we have the the narrow gate um, because it's narrow. The path uh, to eternal life is narrow. Um, And again, this is, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but this is some of the challenge people have with Christianity. I look at it as the blessed simplicity of Christianity. Here's the gate, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Um, Where... The wide is all these other ideas, you know, well, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this, but it's only leading to destruction. And so often we in the Christian faith are considered narrow-minded and exclusive. That's something that is said often of us. And we are, but the gospel is inclusive, right? It wants everyone. It includes, it's for everyone. It doesn't mean everyone receives it, but it is for everyone. And again, I really believe that it's good that Jesus and Uh, made it very simple. So look at John 10, verse 9. John 10. I mean, I would say on that simplicity, the way to eternal life is simple. God does all the work. He says, I'm the door. Come walk through me. Now, after that's when the the struggle comes and it gets difficult. Uh, So John 10, verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. It can be also translated, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Turn over a couple chapters to John 14, 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's that... that um, accusation of being exclusive and being narrow because and I sit look at it and go thank goodness that Jesus clarified for us God has not made it difficult if I want to have eternal life I have to believe in Jesus Christ and that's it yes I was going to say that I find it interesting that not only is he declaring it it is exclusive basically how many other religions and how many uh, other aspects of it where you're working your way to heaven and God is saying, hey, I am the door, and I'm empowering you. It, it's, a, it's a gift, yeah. and uh, we want to earn it. Well, we wouldn't find it if it weren't for him telling us. Absolutely. And so even though the way is narrow, it is always open, right? It's not like, <laughs> he's, not like he's like, mm, no, he's like, please come. Here's the gate, Jesus. Come, I'm, I'm welcoming you. So let's look at some ways that Jesus is the way. So we read it this morning, but what bears... Uh, reading again, John chapter 1. Just by being associated with me and spending time with me, you will be very familiar with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It's one of my all-time proof texts for who Jesus is. But John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone who's, who was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is clearly showing us that Jesus is God, and that John the Baptist uh, uh, pointed people that he was the only way. He came to his own. He came to the Jewish people first, and they received him not. But he was the light of men. And so we see that he is the only way. And what I like about this, some translations are a little more explicit about how um, he gave the right. He, he empowered them. He gave them the ability. He placed his name upon them in the spirit so they could be called children of God. Um, so it's not just the right. It's he did all the work so that we could become children of God. So let's look at Psalm 119. We're going to spend some time in Psalm 119. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 of John 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we can clearly say that Jesus is the Word of God. And so it's interesting, when I went to my um, colloquy interview, I had to do an autobiographical essay. And every time I mentioned the Word of God, I capitalized W. Because I believe it speaks clearly to Jesus. And so they asked me about that. And, you know, 
they're like, why do you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because <laughs> this is what I believe. And so, so John 1, 19, verse 9. So how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. See how this points to Jesus. We're going to look at how all this points to Jesus. Verse 11 of Psalm 119. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the word of God. So we find life according to his word. Verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 89, we're going a little further here. Um, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And I just want to pause for a moment. I would encourage us as we approach God's word to to remember some phrases like this. Jeremiah says, I found your word and I ate them and they were sweet. Um, Revelation, he's told to take God's word and he goes and it was sweet like honey. Here we see that your words are sweeter than honey to my mouth. And, and I would encourage us when we approach God's word to say, Lord, I want the sweetness of your word. Because sometimes we can just read it, right? Or sometimes we can read it and go, whatever. Uh, but say, Lord, you have something sweet for me in, in your word. So I come to his word with an expectation that I would have some sort of sweetness, some sustenance that is given to me. Uh, 105, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now remember, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here's the way. The word is a lamp to my feet. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. So again, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Psalm, uh, verse 130 of Psalm 119. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So we just have, and, and this is a, a real small fraction of scriptures, especially in the Psalms, that really talk about and exalt the word of God and how beneficial it is for the life of, of a Christian and of, of a believer. Um, and unfortunately, I, and I want to encourage you to pray for others because I feel a lot of people are, are spiritually depleted because they're not spending time in God's word. And, and you know, it, it's not a new problem. I mean, Paul was telling people, I want to give you guys meat, but all you can handle is milk. Uh, basically saying you're still being an infant. You should be further along. You should be weaned by now. You need the, the stuff, the stuff that gives better sustenance. I mean, if you have a, a 12-year-old still drinking formula from a bottle, there's a problem. They're probably not going to be nourished correctly. Uh, and so we need to look at that and go, how do we pray for one another and encourage one another to study God's word? And even if you're not studying, but reading God's word, um, and what's the old phrase? Um, 
one one week without God's word makes one week. <laughs> so I would say one day without God's word makes one week. But um, we have to change a letter. But anyway, so uh, Hebrews four verse twelve. This is another reason why we approach God's word and we need it for life. Another verse that if it's not underlined, if you do that sort of thing or highlight, I would encourage you to do that. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 13 of that, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of of him to whom we must give an account. And I would say that this is great comfort for me when I read this because God's word goes directly to the issue most of the time to my issue telling me I need to be less than I think, you know, than I think I am and I'm not all that. But also this is the reason too a lot of people don't read God's word because this is what it does. It speaks to them exactly where they're at. And sometimes we don't like what we hear because it, it, it stings a little bit. It means, ah, oh, I'm not, if it's better if I just do this, da, 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 and not listen, right? Because then I don't have to sit there and go, really, it's me? As, as James says, you know, you look into, you read it, and you look in, or it's Paul, excuse me, you look at a mirror and, and it's like you read it and then you walk away. No, it is James. And you don't do it. You know, someone who reads his word doesn't do is like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. (laughs) And so we look at God's word and it serves some purpose. It is a mirror to us. It lets us know the reality of things and then it guides us as believers. Yes. I was say you're kind of robbing me of my spiritual American identity when it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I mean, how can I be? Everyone wants to be proud and be something. Well, that sounds like your issue, Steve. No, I'm <laughs> But I, I was just going to say, you've got to post the product of grace to the humble. I mean, you actually are fighting when you, when you don't do that. You're actually asking God to bring a judgment that he can't bless you because you're, you're so humble. You can't hear. You can't think. You're yeah. Blinded. And again, I think that, that it's, it's, it's a very useful tool of the enemy to get people to not read God's word. I can, I'll, hear, I'll hear it read on Sunday. I don't need to read it during the week, right? Um, and it's like, well, because, you know, often when you're hearing it on Sunday, you're hearing it, someone else saying it to you. And you're not reading it necessarily for yourself. Um, though I think, when, I mean, I was just, when I were in the Colossians reading this morning, I'm just like, man, look at that. <laughs> look at God has made it so clear to us uh, who Jesus is. Um, and so, yes, Connie. Well, sometimes when, when on Sunday you just hear the good things, and there's things in the Bible that really make you think, and sometimes it makes you very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's what I and and not I'm not disagreeing with you, but that's what I like about it is it's real. It, you know, it doesn't sugar though God's word doesn't sugarcoat everything. It doesn't just it doesn't just say pie in the sky. It's like here's the reality of things. Um, and so we look at it and we go, okay, what, what do I do with this? And that's where Jesus is like, hey, I'm the door. <laughs> Narrow is the gate. I'm the gate. And because we realize that all these other paths, all my bright, bright ideas, all the ideas of man are failing. And so I'm left with, so is there a way? 
Um, and we see that in human history, again, this isn't totally a history book, but there's a lot of history in it that shows, what does it show? The desperate need of man left to himself without faith in God. It just is turmoil, chaos, hopelessness, lots of death. But God says, hey, <laughs> you know, and then we can leave all that stuff with him because I, I, we're, we, we're, not, we're not wired to handle all of the, stu- the problems of the world or the problems of the history. Second Timothy chapter 3. Again, the narrow gate, Jesus is the word. Second Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Again, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that God has created works for us to do that we would walk in them. We're a new creation in Christ. We walk in these walks, these works that he's created for us to do. And often, if we, if we spend time avoiding God's word, we're not going to walk in them, nor are we going to do them successfully, because we're not prepared for them. We're not equipped for them. Um, and, there, you know, and I'm not saying that, that we have to be these people who every day just spend hours in God's word. Um, sometimes I have seasons where I spend a lot of time in God's word on, on a day. Some days it's, it's very brief, 10 minutes. Um, but... I can tell you this, uh, as God has worked in my life, and I know Lara's life too, the, the daily habit of uh, at least approaching God's word and saying, God, you want to speak to me today? Whether I have time for a verse or I have time for a few chapters, um, it's a discipline that the Holy Spirit uses in our life to re- make us remember that all the answers for life are found in here because this is the word of God, which was with God and is God and created all things. So I'm getting to know my Savior when I read this. First Peter one twenty four. This is also for your notes, if you care. Um, the same verse found in Isaiah 40, verse 8. I think often people really look at the, the New Testament and go, oh man, they just created a bunch of stuff. You can find a lot of reference in the Old Testament. A lot to what the what and that's the, the beauty of it too. The apostles were like, "No, look guys. <laughs> look, this is nothing new. This is not a new religion." So, 1 Peter 1 verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall or fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That was verse 25. It's also Isaiah 40 verse 8. And Isaiah is the one who pronounces the, the Messiah's coming. He's going to come uh, as, as a baby. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We see this. And so here we have Isaiah says, the word's going to stand forever. And again, John chapter 1, the word was with God. The word was God. Everything that was made was made through him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word... Jesus Christ. So the way to destruction, though, is wide because man seeks that which pleases the flesh. I mean, the reality is most of us, if it were given our choice, um, if it had no bearing on salvation, which it doesn't to some degree, um, would not choose to come to church regularly, except we find that there's life and there's benefit in God's word. But we see everyone around us. 
not everyone, but the people who don't believe in Jesus, we see them just kind of walking, I would say walking aimlessly. What are we doing next is really what I see a lot. You know, what's the next thing to do? And so that is always, how can I be excited? How can I ignore my pain? How can I um, just experience life? Right, um, because they don't want to. Uh, they're they're trying to find satisfaction in this life. So Proverbs fourteen verse twelve. And what's great is this world will not satisfy. So we get to be ready when people are frustrated with this world to tell them there's a better way. Yes, it's narrow, but it's clear. 14 verse 12 of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Hmm. Okay, that's nice to know. <laughs> uh, you know, the, there's a, not a real proverb, but you know, man makes plans and God's laugh, God laughs at some of it. But the reality is, there is this whole idea that, that we make plans, but as believers, we're trusting that the Lord would, would direct our steps. If we're not in the Lord, we make plans, but the way is to destruction. In the Lord, we make plans, but the Lord directs the steps. So when we make plans, like, Lord, this is what I want to do, but ultimately, I want your will for my life, like we talked about when we were talking about prayer. John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. Oops, too far. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So again, that's right after he says, I am the gate or I am the door. He says, the thief, everything other than me, wants to kill and destroy and rip you off. But I come to give you life. And the life is seen clearly. Again, narrow is the gate. I look at it and go, clear and simple is the gate. I don't have to get confused with everything else. Now, of course, when we say things like that, we're coming from a mind that has been redeemed and that has been given the Holy Spirit. So things are a little clearer for us. But to say that to somebody who isn't a believer, they would go, that's not simple. That's, that's narrow. That's narrow-minded. That's exclusive. And I'm like, well, and I've said this to people in so many words. We'll keep trying your way. See how it goes. I mean, at some point in time, that's where the conversation leads. Well, you can do this. That's fine. God's not telling you you can't. I'm just telling you that only leads to pain and a lack of fulfillment and despair. Um, and so here's my number. Make sure you call me when you're there you know, type thing because I'm happy to, to walk you through it. And again, the enemy is trying to rip believers off and get them to think that they can find the satisfaction that only Christ can give. Um, and sometimes it's holding on to hurts. We, we love our hurts. We love our misery because we're familiar with it and it's, and it's predictable. And so if I release that and allow the Lord to take that bitterness, that hurt that's in me, I don't know what that looks like because I'm not used to having joy. I'm not used to having freedom. I've been so bogged down and attached to this. And so there are people that come to our church fairly regularly. I just want to encourage you to pray for them that are holding on to stuff. You know, we all have stuff. But there are some that are really holding on to stuff and the enemy is, is, is really trying to hold on to that so that they won't. And some of it's fear. Some of it's they just don't know what it looks like without this pain. They can't cope with the pain, so they hold on to it. I don't want to go down to any more psychological things. But, but there's a real battle for, for people. And, and we have the opportunity to share. Psalm 16, verse 11. 
You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And again, when people aren't experiencing the path of life through Jesus Christ, they're not experiencing the presence and the fullness of joy that Christ can bring. I, you know, this morning was... was, was <laughs> I knew there was going to be more energy because of kids' church and kids showed up, which made me breathe a sigh of relief because I always stress out about like, oh, well, we're getting all this ready in three. You're going to show up, right? Um, and so I was really blessed. And, and yet there, and what was interesting before, there was just uh, because of that, I think, some of it, there was just a um, might have been distracting to some. I don't know. But there was a liveliness to the morning because it was like leaning to the side. All the kids were it was like whack-a-mole. But um, <laughs> they're up and down and, and everything. But, but, but again, you see that there's a joy. And that's one thing that, that I always want us to have when we gather together. Even in the midst of trial and pain, the joy of the Lord is still our strength. In his presence, presence is fullness of joy. And this is why the world looks at us sometimes to go, how can you be this way when this is going on in your life? And it's like, what's my alternative? I mean, oh, I don't want peace. I don't want joy when my world, when my spouse is dying, when my, when my house is taken away, when, you know, whatever, when my finances are ruined. Um, I could be miserable and down and depressed, or I can say, in the presence of Christ is fullness of joy. And there's a peace that comes that he's in control and that my life is not my own. I mean, easier said than done, obviously. But we've all been around those people, I think, I hope, um, when life is grim. And yet there's a, there's a calm and there's a peace and there's a joy. When Meg went to visit Myra three weeks ago, um, you know, Meg was concerned about her, uh, uh, her, <laughs> her spiritual wealth, welfare. And they were able to have a conversation and Myra was... What, and, and what Meg said, it goes, the peace of the Lord was clear in her, and I knew she was going to be okay. Because um, she had expressed, you know, that, that she was okay, that she's, you know, uh, she knows the Lord. Um, and so that gives great comfort to where Meg lost a good friend two days ago, and Meg had great joy today, even in the midst of that. Um, and so I think that, that it's some of those things that, not that we don't have moments where we're going to grieve, um, but again, the path of life that has been set before us is not the path that leads to despair and destruction. It's the path that continually leads to peace and joy and hope. Wow, we're going fast. So according to the word of the Lord is how we can renounce false prophets. So we went back. He talks about those who say, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, you know, Lord, Lord is really part of me. So we also, so we renounce uh, false prophets and false confessions. Um, so there's a lot of confessions of faith that sound right, but they're not. And again, let's go back to what Jesus has been laying ahead of time. He's, it's, about, it's about the heart. God sees the heart. And so sometimes, I'm getting a little ahead of myself when we say, what they said, Lord, Lord, and I cast out demons. But his word to them was, but I never knew you. So you can say all those things. You can do all of that. Um, but if you don't know Jesus, you, he's like... You're doing it um, for personal gain. Like we see Simon, the, the sorcerer, who tried to get the power. to sell me the power of, to give people the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it's, it's a wonder that he wasn't killed on the spot. Because he was rebuked heavily by, uh, by Peter. He said, I can't give that to you. 
Um, he goes, he goes may, may, we, may, your, may you perish and your gold with you. <laughs> he goes, no, please. And that's where the heart came in. No, please, you know, don't let that be happen, happen to me. And so we see a, what I believe is a conversion of Simon the sorcerer to go, no, okay, if it's not about that, I still want what you guys have. Um, I want Jesus. And so we see that it's the heart issue. Um, and so I think it's important for us. And one of the reasons we come together is that, that we want it to be real to us at all the times. We don't want to be going through lip service. We have times where we do, but praise the Lord that he makes it dry. And, and, and we go, okay, Lord, you know, what, what's going on here? And he refreshes our soul as, um, who's the song that we sang? He leads us beside still waters and he quiets my soul. Psalm 119, verse nine through 11. By the way, Psalm 119, just on a side note, um, is the Jewish alphabet. So for every letter, which you'll see like at the beginning of 119, um, you'll see Aleph, and then there's a, a section of Psalm that have to do based on that letter. So just, you know, so you'll see it separated by that, like that. So there's a Psalm uh, per letter of the Jewish alphabet. Nine through 11, um, which we kind of read again earlier. Uh, but how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, this is this idea of uh, where's the heart? And God sees the heart. Uh, and we need to understand that. Matthew 24, verse 5. Matthew 24, verse 5. Well, we'll go verse four and five. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. There is a guy, I think he's still alive right now that believes he's Jesus Christ. He's in Australia or somewhere. He's got an accent. Um, he truly believes. And, and you watch <laughs> the little documentary I watched on him and he's like, yeah, it was surprising to me when I realized that I was Jesus. And then his wife's like, yeah, I confirmed, yeah. And she's Mary. It's so weird. Um, but anyway, but you, you, know, you sit there and go, delusional. Now for us, again, I think that our in Christ, we're like, that's wrong. <laughs> that is false. That's not of the Lord. But for those who are searching and those who want to know something, um, for them to go, oh, you're, you're the Messiah? Okay, let me follow you. And that's how they get their, their followers is because people are in darkness um, and they don't know the truth. Verse 11 of Matthew 24. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 24 of the same chapter. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. So to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now what's interesting, the elect he's talking about those who are in Christ. Um, and this word for if possible is really trying to encourage them to go, they're going to try, but it's not going to happen. Those who are in Christ, who are truly in Christ, again, back to what did you say? No one can snatch them out of my hand. Um, and so we won't get into the minutia of, of salvation and whether you're in or you're out because we can get into some, some weighty waters there. But again, those who are Christ um, will, will try it. And, and, and Laura and I have experienced that with different things that have infiltrated the church. And because of God's grace, we, we realized, well, this, this study 
is trying to take us away from the church, trying to make it about works and not about, uh, about some new revelation. And it comes in, like Jesus says, a sheep's in, in wolf clothing. In fact, one of the gals said, I came into the back door of the church so I could save the church into my, into my church. And she died a few years ago. Anyway, um, and so you're like, so she just said it out loud. I'm a wolf coming in to take to steal you guys. Um, and and so you just look and realize again. And so when I look at this, if possible, I'm like, okay, the Lord saves. The Lord's like, oh, it's it's possible, but I'm gonna bring you back. Yes, Steve. I was gonna say one of the things I really enjoy about the epistles, apostles, and the as you go through, you read Peter, John, and James, and and. Uh, the aspects of it, you know, everyone has a new revelation, the apostle so-and-so, or uh, I want to go back to the original, what did, what did they say about it? Not what the new the new cat on the block, uh, you know, Swami so-and-so, or uh, President Hunter, or, I mean, not that, not that yeah. they don't have uh, some intelligence, but I want to know, what did, what did the apostles say? Well, and false prophets are pretty easy to to identify to some degree, not all of them, but the glory really goes to them typically, and it's about what, time, and it's about it's about yeah. If you give them time, you're like, oh, they really are. You know, it's about them. Um, I had one pastor friend that used to always say, just read dead guys, don't read anything new. I don't totally, I don't totally agree with that. But uh, you, you know, there's a there's a different world if you read authors from from fifty, seventy, a hundred years ago. They still speak to things that we're dealing with today. Not all of them are great, um, but you know there's some good ones out there. Again, who gets the glory from their message? Does it take you back to God's word? Does it take it back to Christ and Him crucified, and He He alone is the way to salvation? Um, if it if it starts adding things into it, um, and we'll get into this next week, but um, if you add things to the God's word, you become a legalist. If you take things away, you become liberal. Um, and, and, and liberalism is feed because then anything goes. But if you add things, then now it becomes about rules and regulations. And so we'll discuss that more next week. Let's dive into a few more verses. Matthew 10, verse 16. This is a lovely one that you love to hear. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I mean, and I love what Jesus is saying. He's like, Look, you are going to be in hostile territory. As a believer in Jesus Christ, um, and it, we don't have to look very far to find out that people really um, in the, that aren't saved don't like us very much. And it's not, it's not that they, um, in our culture, it's not that yet that they're adamantly you know, coming and banging on our doors and trying to pull us, drag us out. But as soon as you mention that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a, most people, there's a change. There's a change in their countenance towards you. They get a little uneasy. Um, they, they, they think, oh, you're one of those, or you're, you're, you're better than me. You know, you're holier than thou, or you're just judging me all the time. And you don't have to, and you're like, I just said, I'm a Christian or I'm a pastor, you know, or whatever. That's all I said. I didn't say anything else. Um, I was golfing with a guy and he was telling me how he was a younger guy how he used to be LDS. And so he was asking me about, about, I was asking about his job and he started asking me about, you know, church. He goes, yeah, I don't know a whole lot. I used to be LDS. I'm not anymore. And I said, oh, I said, well, do you, are you going to church anymore? No. And so I started talking a little bit and you could tell, 
he was after we about had about a, a hole and a half of this discussion, and I said, I said, tell you what, I won't talk about it anymore. Let's just play golf, you know, because you could tell. I mean, but again, I'm like, I'm not going to try to get the heart. I'm planting seeds with this guy, you know, because there's things with with people come out of certain churches, even Christian churches, if they've left it, there's baggage typically there that can't be you know taken care of uh, between the third and fourth shot of a hole, you know. Um, and so sometimes you need to realize that this process. And so you're hoping that him going, wait a second, this guy was talking about church and there was joy and it was about Jesus. Because I did, you know, make it clear. Yeah, I just know it's about Jesus and him only and that he's God. I made sure after he told me it's LDS that I said, because I just know Jesus is God and he's the only way. Um, and that's when he really started getting a little uneasy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we'll back off. Yes, Steve. I was just saying, the people I've come over there at the railroad over there, it's not just uneasy. It's PTSD. I mean, they go into cold sweats. I've, I mean, I've dated girls over there. I mentioned coming out of Catholicism over there, and she was in a rage. I just mentioned, you know, if I was going to church or something like that, and, and just generically, and man, she, I mean, it, I mean, we flipped the switch. And I'm just saying that there's something worse wrong. Just want to make sure it's not you, though. Well, I we didn't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's do uh, three more verses and then we'll wrap it up. Second Timothy four, three through four. <laughs> For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Now, a lot of pastors take this and exalt themselves. <laughs> Look, we're doing the real word of God, not those guys, not the prosperity gospel, not the people you see on TV, and they'll name names and all this stuff. And, and to me, that's um, almost as bad uh, as that. But the reality is we do have a movement in churches, some churches, um, where people only want to hear the good stuff. And so um, sometimes church is more of a, a pep talk and a motivational speech um, about um, increasing human effectiveness and, and rather than we're a sinner in need of a savior we can't do it God has done it all hooray let's go yes Connie so how do you know when because we're talking about false prophets mm-hmm. how do you know when a preacher or a minister or a father or whatever how do you know when someone is truly preaching the word <clears throat> So I think there's several things. Uh, John tells us, which we'll get there later, to test the spirits. But I think you, you say, what is he saying? And does that line up with this? Because it won't. Um, so like the phrase, God helps those who helps themselves, right? You cannot find that in the Bible. It is not there. Um, it's a nice phrase, but I can't help myself, right? Cleanliness is close <laughs> to godliness. Yeah, cleanliness is next to godliness. Or, yeah. or just prayed in Jesus' name because God wants you to have that car, right? You know, which is a, a lot of them that say. Or, you know, uh, even, even even more subtle than that, you're great, you're wonderful, God has made you. Um, go live your best life now. I might have just given away who I was talking about. But go live your best life now. You can do it. Instead of going, wait, I can only do it because... Christ is in me and I draw from his strength. And so I think it's, it's a dividing line to listen. So there was one guy I listened to um, years ago after I had surgery and I was in a constant passive osmosis machine for my knee. So I had eight hours a day I had to sit. And so I got a bunch of Bibles out and turned on this false prophet because I was bored and I needed entertainment. And so he started talking about the woman that had the issue of blood. 
and he, he's talking about her desperation and she just needed to get to Jesus and she knew he was his only hope. All these doctors had abused her and, and so I'm like, okay, that's a weird word, you know, but, but I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give that. And then, so I'm tracking with him, he touches and, and then he sums it all up and there's this churn. He says she had lost all her money because all the doctors physically abused her, which is why she wasn't healed and she had no more money. But when Jesus said, uh, peace to you, go in peace, he just he re-upped her bank account and she had an endless amount of money now because how could she have peace without money, right? So it wasn't about the miracle of Jesus healing her just by her having enough faith to touch his garment and him noticing that and him saying, your faith has made you well, go in peace. It was about, hey, when you get to Jesus, you're gonna have a full bank account because that's the only way you can have peace. And so they're very crafty in what they do. And I, I, what I say um, is, and we'll, we'll, we'll finish it up with here. I say be so familiar with the real thing that you know that a counterfeit is, is there. Um, it's that little bit of leaven. Yeah. It's the whole batch, right? There's scriptures yeah. that talk about yeah. how, I mean, you, and that's why we, we do. We test the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's why it's important that we are in it from cover to cover. Yeah, so I think it's, I I, I think it's, I I don't know if it's the right country, but I believe it was, um, that China, when they knew that a family and kids were going to be bankers, they never let them play with counterfeit money. They gave them real money to play with all the time. And so the, the idea was as soon as a counterfeit came, just by feeling it, they would know. And it's a great thing for us. I'm so familiar with truth that when someone says something, I go, hmm, hmm, I'm not sure. And then I go, and I go, what does God's word say? I have to bring the, uh, a safety feature over there, and you have a gift of that, of going, I don't understand. Or, you know, what I'm saying, there's a safety gift yeah. over there. When you're walking the Spirit, you're actually following Jesus, and you get a clinker, you know, uh, if you really love God, blah, blah, blah is going to happen. It's not uncommon for the Lord to say, whoa, 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 where is that? You know, but I'm saying there's a, there's a place where the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you're going, huh. Yeah, and so I think that, that um, again, number one, the Holy Spirit will, will guide and direct you. Uh, number two, familiarity with God's word. Um, will guide and direct you. Number three, having people in your life that, that you that you believe are trying to give you God's counsel. Uh, you, you know, one of the one of the reasons I'll just give you, you you all a little insight into to how I approach sermons and whatnot. One of the reasons I put so much scripture up there is because that's the only thing that can help you. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about it all day long, but when God's word is driving the message then I know that that's not going to return void. Now, if I get to say something that helps or an illustration that, that aids in understanding that scripture, glory be to the Lord. But, but I, the best thing I can give to all of you is God's word. And so, um, and some people, you know, that's one of the things that there are, there are teaching um, ministries that go verse by verse through the Bible, which is what I came from. Um, and there's, there's a value to that. Because you're staying, this is what we're, we're not going, well, let's just talk about Blue Angels or whatever. Um, I don't know why I picked Blue Angels. But, but you, you know, again, sometimes sermon series um, topics can, can make a pastor pick and choose. We just go through God's word. Well, this is where we're supposed to go. 
I am not picking on you because you're not giving or whatever, you know, it's just, this is where it is. So you can't, so there's some safety in that. Um, and then there's also some danger in that too, which we won't, some people, they, well, if you don't do it our way, then you're not preaching the word of God. Well, no, I don't do it that way anymore, but I, 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 I hope and I pray that I'm preaching the word of God. There still is so. a calendar that you follow within that. Well, not this time of the year. Missouri Synod no. no, and the calendar sometimes. Never mind. Okay. It's, re- it's recording. I'll stop the recording in a minute. No. <laughs> so, that, Lord.